0: Yes guys, what's good? You're tuned into Mango Masala, Pi pie radio a South Asian show. My name's Gaines, I'm here with Simran.
1: What's up guys? <laughs> I sound like a YouTuber.
0: Welcome Sorry. to my channel.
1: Every time we do intros, I never know what's going to come out my mouth.
0: <laughs> but I think that's cool. Like I think the rhymes with like iCarly. Like they'd always like kind of do something slightly different at the start of every episode it's
1: just it's just proves to me that like we could we could we've done this show for three years and i'm still not natural in front of the camera like i'm still just so awkward
0: The things do you think it's the camera and not the mic or do you think it's both
1: it's everything okay i don't even know you're just stranger off the internet
0: <laughs> nice to meet you before we go any further into today's show just wanted to start off by paying tribute to a friend of the show who sadly passed away on the weekend. Sam Malik. um, for those who don't know, was a massive advocate for not just young brown people, but young people in general getting into music. He facilitated the careers of so many people. He was just, I mean, um, for those who don't know, like, people we've had on the show before joe ash cammy kane lucky freezy um hamza medley daniel ria he's helped so many um young artists get into music supported them through their careers helped um get them gigs music videos um his last um thing to date that i went to was last summer he did the desi music factory and that was such an amazing event um i was like it, yeah, and it's just so sad him that he's passed away, and I mean, I think the the only positive I can really take from this is the fact that everyone that's speaking of him is speaking so highly and so positively about him and how he... Just wanted the best for everyone. And I think that's the thing as well. He was always helping people. None of this was to advocate his own career. Or his own popularity. Whatever. He was always helping um, other people. And that's. The one positive I think from this. Is that that is how he's going to be remembered. It didn't feel right to. Do today's episode without mentioning the fact. That he's obviously. No longer with us which is sad. But I do hope that the artists that he has worked with continue to do what they've been doing but now with the extra um, thing of continuing his legacy and what he's started
1: yeah honestly such a massive shock when I saw the news break and from everybody that was sharing tributes to sharing text messages that they had with him It was super heartwarming to see. It was really, really emotional. And just on our side, we're really shocked. And like Carlos said, like everybody that can continue succeeding and rising in their careers, that he did so much to help in his legacy now is really the best case scenario out of this situation. But thoughts and prayers and condolences and so much love to him, his friends and family and everybody that he supported.
0: Yeah and I said this and what we put on Instagram as well but it, it does feel like a privilege to have actually been acquainted with Sam and also to have had personally had the opportunity to interview him as well. Um, I mean if anyone does want to go and listen or watch that back I've seen a number of people who um, knew Sam personally post clips from that because even within that like half an hour chat that we had you could see like how passionate he was Mm -hmm. about and just helping young people and like i said especially like um young brown people in the manchester area as well succeed and yeah it is such a massive loss
1: i was gonna say he was really like a Force, like a special especially like a very local force in an area that's quite like nationally underrepresented and a demographic that's quite nationally underrepresented like northern brown people as well like making sure that they had support and mentorship throughout their careers in music and stuff and it was somewhere that like an area that needed someone like him so yeah we were absolutely privileged and honored to have ever had him on the show and it's really heartwarming to see those clips being used in his memory as well because what he was saying was so pertinent and it was just super important to basically everything that he worked so hard for so on our side we're super grateful to have had the opportunity and just sending lots of love for everybody that had worked with him and had been so lucky to ever work with him in the past as well
0: yeah definitely right how have you been Simran
1: been good guys so much going on so many things to do such a little time to do it in i'm going to berlin on thursday it's currently tuesday night i'm looking at two suitcases in front of me with two massive leather jackets on top of it an asos and a pretty little thing package and it's just not striking confidence in my heart
0: Mammy, how long are you going for again
1: listen i'm going for three nights but I have a 23 kg baggage allowance so no one can sit and tell me that if they didn't have it they wouldn't take it you could give me 50 kg and I take 50 kg I will be taking all 23 kilos but the thing is and we'll get on to this for this trip first of all I haven't got a clue what to expect but I also haven't got a clue what to expect in terms of like fashion and clothes and stuff and it's winter, so I want to bring, like, boots. So I'm I'm bringing, like, two pairs of boots. Obviously, I'm going to bring trainers. I'm debating, like, will I go for a run at any point? Because like, that would be pretty cool. Maybe i bring my running trainers. Like, basically, I'm taking full advantage of the 23 kilos that British Airways has so kindly allowed me.
0: Fair enough. Each to their own. It's weird because you've already spoken to me about how, like, you're going to Germany for a couple of days. And it's a very edgy city berlin from what i've heard and i've heard that you're planning to go all out with what you're wearing and it just got me thinking <laughs> how it's weird that i mean obviously different cities are going to have different cultures and whatnot that's to be expected but it's the fact that somewhere as close to the uk as germany like berlin for example what you see people walking around wearing in berlin that is if, if they wore that hair, like, heads will turn in the street. You'd be like, oh, my gosh, like, what are they doing? Like, not even necessarily in a bad way, but just like, oh, okay, that's that's a bit bold. But obviously, when you go somewhere like Berlin, it's just like, oh, casual fishnets. Like, yeah, like, you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, I feel like we need to preface it slightly with whatever i'm going to end up saying next week when i'm back because i have a feeling like i feel like i could go 50 50 as in i know that side of the fashion exists there but i'm not sure if it's going to be like thursday afternoon walking around from in a coffee shop like crazy out there fashion from what we're used to i I, my thing with this trip right is i actually don't know what to expect from anything like the food the city even the weather like the the fashion the clubs the sightseeing like I do not know what to expect which is why I think I'm a bit antsy going into the I just need to like get there and assess the situation first <laughs> and then I'll be able to make an opinion but obviously I'm going off of like I suppose it's sort of stereotypical but of what you see of like German Berlin fashion of being like heavily like a lot of it's black clothing a lot of it's like grungy with like um like carlos said, fishnets leather a lot of it obviously cold cold a lot of it plays like is a bit of an ode to like fetish and kink and bdsm culture and stuff like that with a lot of like harnesses and what have you so i am carlos said i'm going all out by those standards i am not going all out i'm going very tame
0: (laughs) but it's but i think the main thing is it's an opportunity to maybe experiment 100%, 100%. in that 100%. sense that you wouldn't necessarily take if you were going for a day out in London
1: and I'm really excited to not just experiment in terms of that but experiment in terms of like music and meeting different people I know it's a whole different scene to what we're used to here um and from what I've heard the people are super nice as long as you approach them correctly um and I've been learning my German shout out duolingo um so yeah, I will give like a full update next week on how the trip went because I feel like it's really it's going to be a great trip but I feel like it could really go one of two ways and it's going to be heavily dependent on the type of people that I encounter throughout the trip like it could literally go one of two ways. Um but yeah, on the fashion side of things, it's interesting because if it is as extreme as I'm kind of playing it out in my head, yeah, you'd get some strange looks in like London wearing some stuff like that. But you know what to each their own.
0: Yeah, and I think the people that you do see wearing it often time it is international students that are just like "f it," I'm just gonna wear what I'd wear. Like I mean, normally. I
1: like I'm a big fan of like how like Playboy party dresses, just like baggy, baggy on baggy, black on black, like just <laughs> as long as yeah, you're comfortable. about
0: it, like that is if I was gonna like imagine you in my head, I think that's the kind of outfits that. Come to mind sort of thing so like
1: the kind of chill version of like berlin fashion i think is kind of um, i wear like a very tame very chill version of that anyway which is what i'm envisioning for when i go there but i will give you a status update next week when i'm back
0: no, i'm looking forward to it but just wish
1: me luck guys because i just think i just think it's going to be a very unique experience um traveling while brown maybe also might play a factor in it i have absolutely no idea like i have been warned i've been told some stories um but on the whole i think it's going to be really fun
0: yeah i think really realistically even if people told you to um it's going to be fine you'd probably still have that wits about you anyway just new place that i just don't
1: think it can't it can't it can't be any different to like any other european city that you can visit or that i've been to in the past i just don't feel like it can be that different i think it's going to be really fun but i just think it's going to be very different like in terms of like the clubs the people the music especially um i wouldn't i don't think i'd ever say it but i think i'm literally going to miss house music because i don't think it's going to be house it's going to be like pounding like mm. techno um and i'm not sure how i'm going to do with that
0: <laughs> well at least as well you're not going by yourself like you've got a fellow brown person with you that again is also seems to be into fashion as well so yes and I, I
1: really really I do know people that have been and have had an amazing time like race not factor like brown people as well um and it's such a cool it seems like a very cool very liberating place to go to kind of push your creative boundary and like push your boundary in terms of like style and fashion and everything like that like like even like sexuality and just explore different things and just kind of be a different version of yourself that maybe you feel slightly limited to pushing those boundaries here because we've spoken about it before like uk culture uk youth culture is very much like image based respect and reputation like you could do something creative for example and oh you're moist or it's it's cringy Mm. i feel like a lot of people me included are like victim to not pushing their boundaries because of what people are going to say and is it going to be labeled as moist or cringe right it's literally one of the main reasons why I've never made makeup content like on a consistent basis because I'm just too nervous to do it right I'm learning slowly that these opinions don't matter and they're just noise but I think it is a big thing that we do suffer with here like every like no one really has fun Like in in, in that sense, like I've seen loads of tweets saying that the UK, no one has fun in the UK, no one has fun in UK clubs, like everyone just standing there showing face, but you're not allowed to actually be seen being yourself or expressing that. Whereas I feel like you go to different cities and especially one like Berlin is super liberating for stuff like that. So I feel like that's why a lot of people go and I can really respect that
0: yeah it's true it's why i was saying before when i was saying about how in the uk people look back and be like oh that's interesting like there is Mm. often a sense of oh okay like because uk uk
1: is bad vibe i do feel like uk is bad vibes when it comes to stuff like that like you can't push that boundary in fear of being like ridiculed basically i'm what the uk's bad vibes yeah but then it's even (laughs) that's this is away from like politics and stuff this is like just the people culture of like why can't you be a little bit eclectic why can't you like something a bit different like say for example in school if i turned around and was like hey i've listened to this band called arctic monkeys like really kind of like their stuff pretty basic as far as indie music's concerned yeah But I would be called like probably a weirdo because it's not like Drake or whatever hip hop and stuff like that. So it's just these like weird imposed boundaries that don't actually really exist, but everyone's kind of veered into adhering to here. And I just don't like that. I think as you get older, you realize that that's all just washed and it's made up anyway. So just do what you want.
0: Simran's going to come back from Berlin, like, <gasps> for, like if bring the I, fashion with her. if I
1: come to Berlin dressed like Playboy Cartier, don't take my sunglasses off, got five new tattoos, four new piercings, and like, speaking fluent German, and I speak fluent German, no one bat an eyelid, okay? It's fine.
0: Looking forward to it. <laughs> yes, guys, what's good? You're tuning into Mango Masala, Pi Radio South Asian show. My name's Gerns, I'm here with Simran. Hi. Oh, if you didn't know, guys, Simran is Sikh. I am. I didn't know how else to segue into this issue. <laughs> um, with that in mind, last week we started talking about the Indian farm protests that have been taking place again. Covered a brief bit of brief context, but I said we were going to go into it a bit more. Simran's been doing her research, so over to you.
1: Yeah, so we covered this last week um, kind of briefly, but I've been like, I wanted to give like a bit more of a context on it because I think when you kind of look at it in the bigger political landscape of both Indian and international politics, that there is a bigger, a much wider context of where these protests come from and where they stem from and the impacts that they have um, across the nation and across kind of the diaspora especially um and also like within what's going on in the world it's very like interlinked and I just think it's it's a kind of useful way to kind of also gain awareness for issues that are happening at the same time anyway that was my intro but um so for those of you that don't know farmers protests in India have returned but the context of this is that in 2020 and 2021 um, farmers mostly from the Punjab region protested against the Indian government who were trying to enforce laws that were basically largely seen as anti-farmer and they were opening the gates to basically a lot of corporate exploitation of Indian agricultural products. Um, these protests lasted for over a year and the farmers in the region kind of made their way over to Delhi, where they were blocked like physically blocked um from getting in and they set up camp um on the highways and like the interstate highways and stuff like that, um, where they were blocked in during winter and during the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, it was like a super big topic in the community at the time and also kind of in news at the time. Um, and then since then, I think after that year, that India kind of said that they would they took a U-turn on the laws that they were trying to enforce um since then um they've basically taken a U turn on that U turn and the new laws that're coming in basically open the door to all of the corporate exploitation a bit of context is that food scarcity 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 scarcity
0: scarcity
1: scarcity like food scarcity food insecurity is really rife in india and farming is such a major livelihood component especially in punjab And the result of the laws that the Indian government are trying to impose and the kind of economic, unfair economic treatment of the farmers is kind of endemic to increased farmer suicide and agricultural debt. And it's a huge thing that is always been an issue in India. So like in between 2000 and 2018, around 17,000 farmers commit suicide and stuff like these laws only further perpetuates like the motivation. Like it's just so sad to see that the numbers are just continuing to rise. Um, so that just, that's just a bit of background on like the unfair treatment of farmers. And it's such a big like killer amongst that population. Um, So yeah, and then basically, so the Indian government have repealed the laws that they said they were going to put in place in 2021, um, but they've since gone back on their word and farmers are now protesting for three things. So it's a minimum support price, which is basically um, minimum wage, um, total debt wipe of debt caused by the farming laws that were put in place initially and guaranteed pensions, which in any other democracy, in any other democratic um, country would be standard of practice.
0: But Simran, this is the world's biggest democracy. Yes. I'll have you know.
1: Like I said last week, which is crazy when you think about it. Yeah, in any other country, this would be standard practice. But this is India. Anyway, <clears throat> so this time round in 2024, the farmers have now begun traveling to Delhi, and since then, the government has enforced internet blackouts. They put up, they put up concrete barricades with. Um, like barbed wire and stuff like that and they've also used tear gas um and water cannons I think three as of recording like three farmers have lost their vision so many clips have come out of like injuries like so many people have been injured um and it's just so sad to see and I think it kind of what I meant in the beginning of like this is a bigger there's a bigger context to this in terms of India is that this comes in the face of an election, um, upcoming. And for a lot of people, the farmers are seen as a a really big threat basically to the current government and they are being labeled as Kalistani terrorists. So in the Indian media, basically Kalistani being Kalistani is basically a terrorist group, which it's not, (laughs) it's just, it's, it's not, um, but yeah they're being labeled as terrorists for just basically fighting for minimum livelihood um and what i mean with it having a much more important context in like international politics is that i think much like with what we've covered in israel these far night far right nationalist governments are only further emboldened in what they do due to western passivity so like the more that western leaders western politicians and the lay person like you and me turn a blind eye to stuff like this is what further emboldens them to think that they can get away with the policies and things that they're putting in place against the people in their countries so i think much like what we see in israel the more that people turn away from it and the more that governments are not only not condemning them but actually in a lot of cases straight up supporting these governments is what is further adding to death tolls injuries livelihoods being wasted away famine you know um disease infrastructure collapse like it's just it's so 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 heartbreaking to see in all areas of the world like not just Israel not just India but just everywhere that we're seeing it happen um but yeah particularly on the farmer stuff I just think it's our job to raise awareness as much as we can to these kind of issues and just kind of push the agenda that like first of all they're not a terrorist group and that they, they are being seen because like I said this three years ago right that it's really hard for me to look at like the farmers protest videos because like being Punjabi and Sikh in the diaspora is very like everyone is like it's based on family, like a lot of the culture is like familial in practice. Not that others aren't, but I'm just saying this one is. Um, it's very familial in practice. Family is a very important, like, base level foundation for everything. And you kind of are taught that everyone is your family. Like, you call everyone gran- your grandparents, you call everyone bibi, baba, nana, nanny. Like, it just means grandparents. Um, so like, seeing that kind of person like suffering on a cold highway in the middle of a pandemic, like, sitting underneath the track to trying to go to sleep like it was so heartbreaking to see and now that it's all coming back again it's equally as heartbreaking it's just like we're just tired and you know we're tired but they're tired you know what i mean so i just think like the least we can do is sit here and raise awareness
0: well said i mean obviously we want to raise awareness and hopefully the three demands that are um, currently being requested are met by the indian government but i mean from your perspective, how do you see this going?
1: I mean, what, three years ago? I mean, it's silly because from what I know, and don't quote me on this, but from what I know, there were 11 conversations that were held in court about this with the Farmers Union, right? Um, one was a political group, one wasn't. And out of the 11, they all basically listed off as inconclusive and nothing came from them and the only agreements were reached on like two really minor things I can't remember what they were um so you know I can't really I don't know how it's going to be handled all I know is I'm seeing a lot of like from Punjabi media seeing a lot of like how farmers are kind of seen as the BJP's Achilles heel in a lot of sense is that like they're a very very committed group and they are setting up camp. Like that is, is basically what they're faced with right now. And I feel like the Indian government, and I said this last week, like are very clearly threatened Yeah. in the face of the election, in the face of all this political tension going on at the moment, in the face of international political pressure being applied on the Indian government to show that they are democratic in nature. I think that there is pressure being applied from all angles here. And it is a time that is going to be very, very like poignant basically in the turn of events that are gonna um conspire here
0: yeah because like, i like you said um if you're gonna give the um, farmers one thing like i say is that they're very committed and with that being said one way or another no matter how long it takes they are gonna make their way to delhi and i think the one yeah. thing we can really hope for is that we don't see um Mass violence.
1: Well, this is the thing, it's just really scary because, like, the history of violence of the country of India versus the state of Punjab is very long running. Like, we have seen literal attempts of, and I know I'm not even going to be able to say this on radio without people probably coming for me, but literal attempts of genocide in the last 100 years against the Punjabi people. And the way that my people are being portrayed as terrorists is just insane because it's just such a small group in the face of such a powerful government and we still never fail to prevail in the kind of oppression that takes place against us and the fact that we're still standing now we're still committed I think says a lot and the very obvious the very obvious demeanor of the Indian government that they're very clearly threatened right now says a lot too. Yeah
0: this is the thing as well I think we can definitely foresee that if and slash when they do reach delhi the way that the indian government reacts to this is going to be labeled as self-defense when in reality yes 100%. what are they actually it
1: will look, it will look like, reacting yeah, to yeah the way the indian yeah. government is will is going to spin it is going to be very interesting to see the kind of wording that they're going to use that we see across the globe anyway but i do feel like they've also they've also banned i think i want to say gatherings of more than five people in the area like along with the internet blackouts the censorship and like the the um the measures being used against the protests like the water cannons and stuff like that um and rubber bullets as well i don't think i said that earlier um yeah so it will be very interesting to see how these events unfold But in the meantime, all we can do is kind of spread awareness and show solidarity because it's a really heartbreaking thing to see the more videos that come out, the more upsetting it is. But we're not there on the ground. So all we can do is kind of support from here. Definitely, That's it. And I think some really good resources are like, um, I know Seek Seek Expo on Instagram did a really good, like um, very brief kind of basic, just a little carousel thing that gave a lot of context. And it was also very good at putting it in the context of like international politics and how like the the eyes of the world are on like israel but these tactics are being seen in other countries as well at the same time and like you know this is nothing new um and yeah just very very interesting context to put it in
0: thank you for that simran
1: that felt like news round that did
0: yeah no i was gonna say i thought i'd say it in a non sarcastic way for once
1: oh no that actually felt like news round.
0: No, I'm here for it to be honest. I think it's nice to be reporting on news. We should sound professional. I could say that in a sarcastic way. Wow. <laughs> the other topic that I think we need to discuss this week isn't as fun as Simran's <clears throat> Berlin antics. I don't know. Have you um, seen what happened in Birmingham this week, Simran?
1: Yes, and I saw it very early on to when it happened, and the situation wasn't as bad as it was a few hours later basically is what i'm gonna say but i'll let you explain
0: yeah uh, yeah
1: but i'm in shock is what i'm trying to say
0: so for those who haven't seen i think most people probably will have seen it on um meme pages partic- particularly asian meme pages as well i think i've been sharing the news of this like and also shade or all of that but anyway there was a particularly bad crash in soho road which i think is in birmingham and if the footage is out there you can see how it's very much a it's a it's a it's not a busy road in the sense that it is busy but it's not it's not a dual carriageway or anything it's it's like a classic um i don't know how to describe if, it if anyone knows like, the Cory mile of manchester yeah. if
1: you're familiar kind of with verb. birmingham Soho road is a massive like cultural road it's a very like main road it's not like a bike like it's got, not, not got a high speed limit or anything it's like very much like a high street but culturally it's very significant however it must be it must be like 30 miles an hour maybe even less but yeah
0: yeah i can i wouldn't be surprised if it was 20 to be honest that being said you can see in the footage how cars are moving by quite slowly and this one white car just comes out of nowhere just speeds straight into This line of cars um, sending a couple flying everywhere, one um, into um, parked cars as well, Um, and I think the stats from it are, I think, at least four people have passed away, including the passenger of the car that caused the accident, who also was due to be getting married the next day, I believe.
1: I did not know Um, that last bit
0: yeah so especially sad um to my knowledge the driver is still alive um obviously thoughts and condolences to the friends and family of the people that have passed away i'm not sure as to how many were injured in this incident that being said one thing i have seen as a big point of discourse over the past couple of days since this accident happened i think maybe it was on sunday monday maybe sunday um one thing i've seen being discussed is this pandemic almost or epidemic that we've got which is largely to do with the um young south asian men as a demographic being involved in this type of thing speeding um racing on main on on actual legal roads and when i first saw this i was a bit like oh okay i don't know if we can really generalize but then i thought about it and i was like you know what there's we shouldn't shy away from this because this this is an issue like when you think about the number of people that are involved in racing the sad reality is oftentimes a lot of the time it is young south asian men and it just got me thinking like why is that like what what why where does this culture come from
1: it's an issue don't get me wrong but it's really sad that we even have to talk about it especially in the light of something as tragic as what's unfolded this week um like coming from somewhere that is very majority south asian i'm very much used to cars revving and going ridiculously fast on very slow roads um it's something that like you just know that has just happens for my whole life basically that like young particularly boys i don't want to generalize but particularly boys that like have just got their licenses during the first few years of passing or whatever even later than that and they're just like on these ridiculously like powerful cars and they're racing and i don't know if it's cool or i don't know what but obviously as we know it's definitely not cool um But yeah, it's just super dangerous and it's super careless to not only yourself, the people in the car with you and everyone else on the roads. And I just think it's ridiculous that we even have to say
0: that. Sorry as well. I was just looking up to see if I can see any stats about where... There must be. Well, yeah, I just looked up where the most dangerous drivers in the UK are based and the top four are actually based in West Yorkshire, a.k.a. largely Bradford, which we know is obviously a very yeah. densely um south asian population area. And it's like, area.
1: I know people who have lost their lives because of racing and dangerous driving. I know people who have family members who have lost their lives because of dangerous driving or people that have had like such serious injuries that they can't even walk again because of dangerous driving. Like the effects of it are so real and those were the people that were in the cars like forget people that are just in that video which by the way is a horrible video. I only watched it once. I never watched it again. But the fact that that can do the rounds and, like, that's people's friends and family is really tragic.
0: I w- remember thinking about watching it. I was kind of like... Because also, I think, from the video, I don't know, again, because I haven't, like, watched it in great detail, but I don't think you can necessarily see that much damage apart from to the Vic. I don't remember. Th- thankfully. But that being said, I remember watching. But even still, thinking,
1: if that was someone that yeah, you knew, how heartbreaking! Because really I would hate like then I'm just bait is posting it, and I'm just like, that's like my so and so. That's just
0: that is like it, it's it's a it's a death. You're you're literally literally watching someone die. It's like how pe- people come desensitized to say, for example, um, the thing that comes to mind is the isis videos from like 2014 mm. when the videos were going around of people getting beheaded and it was weird because people kind of got really desensitized to seeing that kind of horrific thing this is maybe slightly different in the sense that you're not actually seeing any person lose their life per se but at the same time you're still watching this it's still that incident yeah it's all the yeah. act
1: that led to someone lose their life and i feel like yeah, it was really hard to see and even harder for those that might have been directly affected by it. But yeah, I think, I just think it's really messed up that we have to sit and talk about the consequences of dangerous driving like, that's not obvious enough and, and that i have to sit here and tell you that it's not cool because in what world is it cool
0: this is what i don't understand as well when the people are even aside from the dangerous driving element when they're sat there revving their cars surely that's destroying the cars i never understand not a clue. Like, what, i don't know
1: enough what, about cars but you just just a bit embarrassing mate
0: that's the thing I, whenever i see that i'm just like oh okay like like i never think oh my gosh she's so cool
1: never never <laughs> like, ever ever
0: like, and i also don't know who you're trying to like i don't i don't actually know anyone who would think that i think each the other only, each other well this like, the only the, the only people that i think are going to think it's cool are the people in the actual car themselves and the only other people that are going to have any kind of response to it are other people that are then just going to engage with it as well i.e other people that would then race them or whatever so, yeah, it's just go go casting or something. You know what I mean? Play some like, Mario,
1: like not, yeah. not not to like.
0: Play, this, yeah, not but, to like play yeah. the
1: situation down, but like there's seriously got
0: to be something else you can do. No, but like in all honest, I'm I'm serious about like I know like just go somewhere like there are places you can go where you can like have races and speeding or whatever and I know maybe that'll lose the thrill but is the thrill really worth it when you're risking not only your own lives but so many others as well it's selfish yeah
1: and I feel like everyone has like two things I feel like everyone's been in a circumstance where they've been a passenger in a car and the person's driving a bit sketchy and you're like whoa I don't feel safe right now number two I feel like everyone's been in a situation where you might have been driving on the motorway and someone is being ridiculously dangerous and you're like genuinely like what is the rush here like I remember being into like people just being right up the back of your car for no reason forcing you to go like a speed that you're not comfortable at like I obviously get being in certain lanes you're not supposed to be in them but like if you are genuinely overtaking or whatever and it's, it's actually scary like it's, for someone that does a lot of motorway driving I feel like I've been in like that situation plenty of times to know that like this is actually really scary and for a second you always think like oh my god that like the worst could happen and those are relatively chill situations compared to being in a car that thinks that they can go whatever 50 60 70 miles an hour on a 20 or 30 mile an hour very busy very congested road
0: yeah like i don't want to downplay the fact that obviously messing around on the motorway is still very serious but like you've just said i think the most scary things are when you see the cars going like you said, ridiculous um highly high speeds. it was speeds. a regular yeah.
1: road like it was literally like so her road just has shops on both sides it has pedestrians it cannot be faster than 30 like it generally is going to be 20 or 30 miles an hour is my best estimate and yeah. that car must have been doing i'm not a good expert on stuff like this but it must have been like 40 50
0: yeah if not more if yeah, not more definitely it's sad as well because obviously i said about how the passenger of the car apparently was due to be getting married the next day but
1: Uh, you have like what what more is preventing you from wanting to go and drive that fast you literally have like someone in your car not that this should ever stop the decision being made like based on who's in your car but like you shouldn't be doing anyway is my point but like literally such an important day and that's what you're that's what you're with them doing
0: get grip. i do wonder as well whether this is actually obviously it won't be the sole cause of the problem, but it m- might be an actual issue worth looking into is because this isn't actually the first instance I've heard of this type of thing happening. I remember, um, on Mayanka's main road on Wilbraham road in Charleston how there was a, like this horror story of how a similar thing happened where, um, a groom was a passenger or someone was a passenger in a car um, and it was the night before the wedding and they were all speeding on that main road and i think it was the bride's brother actually lost his life and it's just like
1: so sad uh, so sad yeah
0: like at, at these times I when that, like, i'm meant to be the happiest don't, yeah. don't risk that with something like this
1: i think my biggest takeaway from this and also this points to a massive thing on like drunk driving in the community as well and how like that's also quite not normalized but like it's just, it's just a, such a big problem in our, in our community and it's just ridiculous. And that, that leaves so much tragedy around like, particularly around like special times, like weddings and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But the point is, my main takeaway is that, yes, the video is really tragic and it's really heartbreaking to watch. The only thing you can kind of hope for is that it deters people from doing that in the future. And that hopefully the punishment for the driver is big enough to deter people from doing this in the future. And that people just realize that there's genuinely no gain from this, especially on a road like that. Like I, you're just destroying lives.
0: Yeah. It's just so, it's just incredibly selfish from the moment that you get behind the car with the desire to do that. Like even if you end up getting away with it, with not hurting anyone else, it, the risk that you're taking is just, it's just so selfish. Yeah. Yeah. It's literally, if you're listening, that meme where it's like, stop it, get some help. Literally, if you think that that's a fun thing to do, there are so many other things in life that are more fun.
1: It's so true. I mean, I
0: wouldn't know because I've not done that racing, but trust me. It's
1: not worth it.
0: Yeah. Well, on that note... Thank you, everyone that has tuned in to today's episode. Don't go anywhere because I am going to be chatting to Saloni about her new track "Without You" shortly. But yeah, Simran, I hope you have fun in Berlin.
1: Thank you. And
0: yeah, we will be back next week, maybe with Halima. Actually, I'm not sure. Oh my god. Maybe. maybe. Yeah. I don't. I'm not sure what's happening. <laughs> oh my god um, i've seen it yeah what's so funny we were obviously teasing her about having no friends and, all, and I, I know mates. they've all got joined <laughs> out there they de- they 100% did that after they saw a cyber yeah. bullying
1: <laughs> not like not like flights to egypt are cheap or anything but yeah not like last minute flights to egypt are cheap or anything but yeah they definitely did that after yeah. they saw that
0: you're welcome Halimo. yes guys what's good you're tuned into mango masala Pi radio south asian show my name's gurns and i'm here with saloni how are you doing
2: i'm good thank you how
0: are you i'm good and you know what this feels nice because i think this has been like a long time coming we've obviously i've been playing your music for a while i've been watching you grow as an artist and it's nice to now have the opportunity to sit down with you and actually chat about it so it's very nice to meet you no thank
2: you so much i mean really appreciate it i've seen you guys me from the get-go so really appreciate it and it's fine, nice to finally put a name a face to the name
0: <laughs> for people that maybe haven't heard your music before um, do you want to maybe give us a little bit of background on yourself how you got into music that sort of thing
2: yeah sure so my name's Saloni uh, I'm a British Asian artist um, I was born and brought up in the UK but my ethnic roots come from India, my parents are from India. So I grew up listening to a lot of Indian music but also um, Western music growing up here. Um, and I began to, like growing up, I didn't really know where my identity sat. I kind of sat with like just the Bollywood and Tollywood and stuff or just um, like the Western side. And only recently, ever since I started releasing like the crossover, have I sort of felt like I've represented my identity. So the music I make is a mix of South Asian uh, South Asian languages on top of Western pop and R&B beats. I can sing in 10 different South Asian languages. So I aim to bring all of these languages into my original music.
0: For sure. And I don't want to gloss over that little yeah. stat there because it was something that I wanted to talk about, like. 10 different languages and I think I saw in your interview on Asian Network as well it was like it's 10 and then one extra if you're including English as well so it's like it's very impressive so how has that happened like did you already know all of these 10 languages or is it just you're like I want to be able to sing in like so many different languages um, to engage in different cultures that sort of thing like how did you get to this point
2: so i'll begin with demything one thing i can't actually speak or understand these 10 different languages i can sing in them and i think many people don't understand that but when it comes to music i really feel and people that are in music understand this but outside of it sometimes it kind of gets glossed over a bit that music really has no language and I mean as a listener I I think people relate to that because you're listening to like Spanish music Afro music without even understanding what it means and it kind of comes into that same concept when you're singing it as an artist so I grew up um, kind of having a touch on different languages. So when it comes to, let's say the South Asian side, um, Hindi, I kind of bought up just by like watching TV. My parents used to watch like soap operas, so I'd kind of get it from there and like um, movies and stuff. Telugu was my like mother tongue and Tamil was something I learnt while I grew up singing because my teacher was Tamil, she liked Carnatic music, so those were the three key languages I sort of grew up with and then as I went into university and everything um, Punjab became quite a prominent one just because of the music that was around me, not even at university to be fair, even like growing up past like secondary school sort of thing. So those four South Asian languages were stuff I was familiar with already. And with the other languages, I think I just thought, you know what, South Asia is so, like, it's such a beautiful part of the world. It has so many different, like, dialects, so many different languages. And I've, like, I listened to the music, but I never, like, put, understood how to like sing in them but i thought I, I can already grasp these four different languages surely i can like push myself to get the other ones as well um and what i realized is when you know one part of um when you know one part of the languages you kind of grasp the other ones for example i grasp Punjabi because i knew Hindi already and then like all the north languages like Gujarati Marathi like you kind of grasp it a bit and same goes for the south like i knew Tamil and Telugu so grasping Kannada and Malayalam was like in that territory um so yeah i mean i just love the beauty of it and i just feel like it needs to be shown out a bit more and i t- i like tasked myself with the challenge back when i took my gap year um and it was around the cover time as well where i was like you know what let me see if i can get 10 languages onto one song and that's where it began
0: obviously you've now got that like in your roster as well you've got like a portfolio now of all these songs and all these examples of you singing it and i think as well it seems like each language that you've done it seems that people are engaging with it as if you were native to that language as well which must imply that you're doing a good job of it so keep it up
2: no thank you yeah definitely i think i think i saw it the most when with the most well, not the release that happened recently but the one before that with and bilal shaheed where i mm-hmm. put in bangla in it as long alongside my mother tongue the i think that's where i saw it the most where people thought i was Bangladeshi and I was like no I'm not (laughs) so um yeah I saw it quite a lot with the recent
0: release focusing on that release in particular how did that collaboration come about because correct me if I'm wrong but I think is that maybe your best performing song to date
2: yep best performing song to date a million views on YouTube and a few million on social media yeah definitely the best one um and like way beyond both of our expectations actually and we're very pleased to see I think the way the audience took it just like it's just so heartwarming meant so much to us and it's just amazing <laughs> but yeah sure. that collaboration sort of came about we met at a launch party um, and another artist launch event for their album and i recognized him briefly because um you know on spotify when you go through your like fans also like sort of um category he was in my one so I knew of him and I've heard some of his music before and then someone introduced us at the event um, and he was like oh let me I'll check your music out once I get back and so we messaged each other on socials after and then in the new year we were just like you know what let's get some music together come into the studio and it just kind of went from there.
0: I mean it's cool as well with him obviously he's got that kind of production aspect to things as well that he seems to be like proper going down that route more recently rather than just singing so I'm sure that came in um, to use as well but like you say so you weren't expecting it to take off as much as it did then
2: no, neither of us I think we were both very pleasantly surprised
0: <laughs> I mean other stuff that you've done recently as well I mean literally started the year off by performing at Wembley so do you want to tell us a little bit about that
2: again a crazy old moment that I didn't think would happen so soon um I opened for a well-known producer from India called DSB um, and it was crazy because he, his music, I basically grew up listening to, because it's it's a lot a lot of his music is from like the, um, he produced a lot for like the Tollywood, the Telugu music uh, movie scene. And growing up, I watched a lot of Telugu movies. And to then find out I'm gonna like open for him, that was huge. Um, very nerve wracking to begin with, obviously going on like such a big stage um, in front of like 10,000 people in an arena. Um, but the second I went on stage all those nerves went and it was just like I'm living my dream right now (laughs) performing in front of so many people and it was actually on my vision board um at the beginning of 2023 I made like a vision board of wanting to perform at an arena and it's crazy that it happened in 2024.
0: What advice would you give to someone because I'm just thinking now if I was an artist listening to this the idea of performing at Wembley is literally like I imagine a lot of people's dream come true. So what advice would you have for someone as someone that has actually gone and it's gone from being a dream to actually a reality?
2: I think the biggest thing is just honing in on your craft and like, just continue. I feel like many people say it, but it, it really is just determination and just keep going consistency because, and the fact you, you'll face loads of hurdles that's without a doubt. Like no, nothing will come like easy. If it's easy, it's not worth having basically. So you will have the hurdles, and just literally, just know that there will be something good waiting for you at the end, or like not even at the end, just throughout the path. You, as long once you get through that hurdle, something will be waiting for you. And I think that's still something. Forget about giving this advice to like someone that's just upcoming. Like I, I'm still upcoming, and I like I feel this for myself. And me saying this to you right now, like for anyone else hearing, I'm in my head. I'm thinking I need to be saying this to myself as well because it is very easy for me for anyone to just think oh am i what am i doing like worth it right now like it's a lot of like because it's in a way you're doing you're kind of putting on your own business you're like bringing yourself up um if you're independent that is and it's just like it's a lot to take on so i think always reminding yourself that it as long as you enjoy what you're doing and you have the motivation determination sort of get over it get over any hurdle just keep going and like it will it will the the hard work will come into life asap
0: and i feel like you're probably a good example of that as well um given that um i think i saw in your socials that you've been at uni for the past couple of years right it's only recently that you've graduated Mm -hmm. so the majority of a discography that we're aware of was actually released alongside you studying so how and again you have just talked about being independent as well but how was it obviously balancing that um the difference between obviously having to put all the effort into studying, but then also creating, I think, cause you've created like quite literally Saloni, like a name for yourself. You know what I mean? Like people know who you are. And the fact you've done that during uni is again, very impressive. So like how, how, how did you manage to do that?
2: I can't put it in more than a simple way than I just had the passion for it. And I just really loved doing what I did. Um, and just that drive of, wanting to be able to share what I love to do with everyone around and um, it was tough and it still is quite tough because now I've gone into full-time role and like that's actually what I used to think oh if I'm able to do it through at uni I'm gonna do I'm gonna be fine for the rest of my life but it only gets harder as you get older because it's like more responsibilities and it's and it's just I think i wouldn't have been able to do it if i didn't enjoy what i'm doing so i think that's just a big part i I enjoyed what i was doing and i knew and at the same time i did enjoy my studies as well because i think i've always been quite an academic driven person so that way i was just doing two things i just thought i could try and manage together it was tough i'm not going to say it wasn't but it's just my i guess i just determined to try and get through it
0: (laughs) definitely and obviously now um, this is your first release of 2024 yeah. so without you I, another collaboration with Bilal as well yeah. Um. so how did this particular release come about?
2: So this one was obviously off the back of nigon Delona. obviously we both worked, we loved working together and we were like we need to get more stuff out and now I'm working with Bilal quite regularly to you know not just this release but future releases as well to get him on the production side because I've loved the way he's um you know produce these songs and he has he has his touch with the production so um it's been great working with him and yeah he this song actually wasn't um one i wrote this was the first ever song that someone else had written and kind of pitched it to me and been like i think your voice would sound amazing on this give it a shot um and it did take me a lot of um like courage to then think that's okay because this whole time I'd been like okay I want to write my own stuff I want to like you know put stuff out that I've written myself um but I think this was that step where it was like you know what I don't always have to write things myself sometimes a song will come to you that sounds really good with your voice and just you know if if, have it have a sing-along if it works it works if not then just write something else after um, and this one Bilal sort of like gave to me he was like you know this is a really good song I think it would suit you and I really did like it and I think it's brought out um, a different side of my vocals that maybe I wouldn't have explored too much we sort of dealt, di- dipped into it when we did Ni Gundelana, but Lona um, but I've not done it more than that before and whereas this like takes out more of that you know the Bollywood melodic um, sort of melodies to it and that's sort of how We kind of went with, okay, I'm going to release this as one of my songs.
0: And I would agree as well that I don't think there should necessarily be a pressure to have everything 100% yourself written. I think the main thing is, like you say, have a listen to it if it works do it and the main thing is if it doesn't work then not sticking with it and then exactly. putting out anyway purely for the sake of like oh this is what's yeah. trending right now or that sort of thing and was it always the idea that you'd put this out around valentine's day or it was like just a happy coincidence
2: well initially it wasn't the plan um but by the time we finished it, i was like oh okay i'm gonna release it in the new year may as well wait till valentine's and i initially wanted to release it just before valentine's to um sort of hit that valentine's sort of like so people can hear it and use it on Valentine's Day. But then going back to the song and realizing, actually, it's not a love song, it's a heartbreak song. So what we did, I think, I don't know if the audience have realized this yet, but it was like, we teased, the, love, the lovey-dovey side of it first, which was the first verse of it, um, which makes it sound like a love song. So it works for Valentine's Day and people can use it on Valentine's Day and so on. But when the song released two days after Valentine's, you can hear that it's actually a heartbreak song. So now people are like, oh, okay, it's in the anti-Valentine's. I didn't know this was a thing, but apparently anti-Valentine's is a thing. So now people can use it as anti-Valentine's, which is what it is. It's, you know, you were in love with someone and then they moved on and now you're kind of getting through that but you're you're like cherishing the love that you had with this person before um and respecting that they've moved on sort of thing
0: and i think the music video really also brings that like storyline to life as well comparing it to some of your other music videos was that one of the first times that you've actually done like a bit of like proper acting as well <laughs> like, like like how did you find that
2: yeah it was my first like deep storyline video um I think when I when we first finished this song and I we listened to it you know after it was all done I was like I fully see a Bollywood sort of music video to this and I was trying to think of different ways to sort of put it together and I had these different ideas all like kind of put it on paper and then I spoke to my videographer and I was like what do you think about all of this um and we were like oh like it just so just pieced together and I I don't think I like took it in as much until I actually watched the music video when it released once everything was like all the feedback had gone and because when you're in the process of you know getting something out you're just constantly thinking about okay what feedback am I going to give here what am I going to like you know just how am I going to make it a good piece so you don't actually cherish it as much and then once it's all like finalized and you're seeing it the day of release I feel like you soak it all in and I was like I, I watched it with everyone when it premiered at six pm, I was watching it and I was like, "Wow, we really did this." It was like it really grasped all the emotions, made me feel like I was in a bit of a movie, um, and it was nice acting as well. I guess I've never done, never really done that before, um, and not bad. I thought I thought I would look terrible, but like because I'm not an experienced actor whatsoever, but it didn't seem bad. In the music video, it looked like I could. Do it decently. <laughs>
0: no, I agreed. I think you definitely like captured the <laughs> whole essence of what you were singing about as well. I wanted to ask as well, the like monologue at the beginning, was that always planned to be in there or was that like a later edition?
2: That was literally after we shot the music video. So we got so much content on the day of the shoot um, and we were getting all this footage, but the videographer was telling me like, he doesn't really understand how to put it together. Like, it's great. We've got all this content and it's amazing. And we've got the storyline. But it just looks a bit confusing because like you put it together, but people don't know the context of it, especially for someone that doesn't understand the lyrics. And so then I thought, you know what, how about if we took like what if I did like a bit of a monologue to kind of explain what the situation was and then we can use some of the story snippets. So it gives some context. And then the videographer gave me an idea saying, you know, the English lyrics that you wrote for the song. Why don't we use that? as part of the monologue. And I was like, okay, that's a good idea, but it doesn't make sense to completely do that. So then what I did was took that as inspiration and then kind of built around it to then make a few lines that gave it context, but still made it sound a bit like a poem.
0: (laughs) No, and I think it worked well as well, especially with the whole kind of, Bollywood-esque theme that was going on. It all did come together very nice, I think. I mean, obviously, I haven't <laughs> seen, like, what it was like before when you just had the footage by itself, but <laughs> it did seem like a bit of, like, a mini-movie yeah. in itself, so. Well, we're going to give it a play um, in a bit, but before we do that, just wanted to ask, like, what's next for you then? Obviously, this is your first release of the new year. Mm-hmm. What's the rest of 2024 got in store for you?
2: Well, I'm working on a body of work, so we'll hopefully get an EP out later this year um although it's not confirmed but I would like to think that I'll get that out um depending on how things work out on my schedule um but some collaborations in play and yeah just definitely more music the rest of the year to come
0: sweet and if people want to keep up to date with your latest releases etc where's the best place for them to find you
2: um best place is social media so you can find me on instagram as saloni underscore music s-a-l-o-n-i underscore music tiktok is saloni dot music and facebook and youtube is saloni music and if you don't want any of those and you want to sign up to my mailing list where you'll get like exclusives and first sneak peeks of everything just pop on to our website at www.salonimusic.com and sign up.
0: Well, we're going to give um, without you a play now. Um, thank you so much for taking the time to speak to me today. It's been a pleasure.
2: Thank you so much for having me and supporting me.